Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. And we're so glad that y'all are here. Uh, special welcome if you're just listening instead of watching. That's you're, so fun. Yeah. You're not seeing this that I'm doing right now, but <laughs> it's still going to be good. Um, P.S. If you don't know this, that we have a podcast and it's the audio from our YouTube videos. You can find it. Um, it's called Don't Miss This Study. And it just went live just barely. I don't know when you're watching this, but while we're filming it, it just went barely live. Yeah, we're and, so excited uh, about it. David yeah. is a huge podcast fan. Yeah. I have really never listened to a podcast in my life, so I'm just being introduced into the podcast world. Yeah. I learned if you subscribe, it means it will show up for you every single week. So if you're new at podcasts, that might be a good tip for you. Yeah. And if you're so inclined, you like it, give us a, a rating. We only accept five stars. Uh, <laughs> just helps other people find it a little bit easier. So anyways, welcome. And there you go. It was a, a long effort with a lot of people helping out and we got it up and running. And then so. we have a couple other really fun announcements. So we're just going to get all the announcements out of the way at the beginning before we hop into Peter. Um, and should we start with this one first? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Everybody who said they did not want to print out the study sheets every single week um, your dreams have come true. We are so happy about this. It's a journal. So, yeah. It's a journal for the Book of Mormon. The whole year is done. Look at this, everyone. It's done. Everything you could possibly want from the Book of Mormon, Ever. as far as note pages, is done. So you got to fill it up. So what it has is has every week's study guide sheet that you can follow along and fill out like you may have been doing or maybe not have been doing because you're like, I don't want to print it. Well, yeah, now you don't have is. to. And then there's a note page for extra notes. Yeah, everybody wanted extra notes when you watched the video. So we gave you a whole page of extra notes. Hopefully you love that. And then on this page is a little box for each day of the week. If you like read every day and you want to write a little something or an What's inspiration that you've learned. There's a place for you to put your verses that you And then write. one of our themes for next year with the Book of Mormon is going to be the great things God has done. We're so excited about yeah. it. So you're going to be watching for the great things God's done in the Book of Mormon and then also you're watching for the great things he's doing in your story also and I, I we cannot wait for the end of the year for this whole thing to be filled out and for it to be just a record of that whole journey so it's gonna walk this, you through there is we should tell them at the beginning um, it has um, the the schedule and at the end it has room for general conference notes so if you just want everything in one place um, so here's your whole entire schedule. You just know exactly where you're supposed to be all the time. And then um, at the very end, there's a place for you to do general conference notes um, yeah. right there so that you just have everything you need in one place. Right in one spot. Okay, so right now, the pre-sale is going on. If you want to be sure to have these by Christmas and by the start of the year, then um, you can go on right now to DeseretBook.com. Um, the link will be in the YouTube notes. It's in our Instagram. But if you just go to... We'll put it in the newsletter. We're yeah, gonna, newsletter We're going to try and also. put it everywhere where you might want to look for it because our worry is we don't want to accidentally not order enough and then have people waiting until the middle of January or February to get there. So if you want these, you if you still want to can, give them but... to your kids um, in time to start that very first week of January, we are just doing a pre-sale so we get an idea of how many numbers we need and then everyone will be happy. Yeah. And then um, we've teamed up with LDS Living for yep. this, which is really fun. So fun. And they have um, given a discount code for if you order five or more for a group or family. And it just happens automatically. Like we don't have to give you a code. When you put it in your cart, by the time you get to checkout, it, it gets cheaper to it's order so a bunch smart. of them. How are yeah. they that smart? We don't know. Smart people. Um, also, okay. you might have seen this because they've been Desert Book has been advertising this. These are the two things we're going to be using next year a lot as we are teaching. So one is just the journal, the study sheets that we're going to be talking about specific things that are in here. But I we just have... can't wait to get your hands on this. It really is it's so, so fun. Yeah. But a lot of people wanted things they could be doing during the week besides just the video. So we thought you might enjoy having little devotionals you could read at night at dinner or just um, as you gather together for family prayer before bed. So we just went through every chapter in the Book of Mormon. And we picked our favorite verse from that chapter and really just our favorite phrase. Just those little power phrases that you just want to 
put up on your fridge or think about all through the week. We did one for every chapter in the Book of Mormon. So you're going to be able to pull these out at night and it's just going to give you um, that verse and then a really little just thought and then something to think about that you get to reflect and respond on every single one of these. So these are going to be awesome for really short um, devotionals, devotionals in the morning or at night or whatever. So we'll be doing both. This is the journal and then this is the devotional book. So whichever purposes you're looking for, there you go. go. We got it. We're so excited. Okay, we're going to move out of the board for a second. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> because everyone likes to see, see what's on the board. Now, Kay. hopefully you, you got that. Now, these are the books of First and Second Peter. This is the Peter that you know and love, the one who wants to face 600 guards to defend Jesus, the one who wants to jump out of the boat. Peter, uh, the great apostle, water. yeah, who was once a fisherman and becomes this mighty chief apostle. Um, uh, a lot of Bible scholars think this is a, toward the end of his life, that he's writing this from Rome. He nicknames it Babylon in the letter. He says, here I'm writing for Babylon. And a lot of people think he's made it to Rome. And he is writing to a bunch of branches of the church in what's modern day Turkey today. So he sends it and it's like, um, it was written so that people could read it out loud while they're at church. Hmm. Um, now, this country has a lot of Gentile converts. So remember, in Israel, you have a lot of people who used to be Jewish who are converts to Christianity. Once you start getting outside, you get a lot of people who used to be Greek and worship Greek and Roman religions, and now they're converts to Christianity. Um, but because they live in a, in a really Greek and Roman country, uh, dominated by that other religion. Remember, Christianity is just a baby church right now. Um, they are, there's a lot of persecution and there's a lot of reasons that people might want to give up and there's a lot of reasons people are getting discouraged. So Peter is really writing this letter to say, to really just pump everybody up, you know? And we loved as we were reading through um, both of the first and the second book that we thought, you know, if that is a place where you're in right now or someone you know is in a time of um, discouragement or a time when they're just seeking hope, a time of trial, as we went through, we were like, there's three standouts for us. And we're going to talk about all three. One is, this is a book about that says, here is hope, um, that says, here is holiness, here is how to hold on. That's what's happening here. And you'll notice on the paper, we just talk about, for the times of trial, here is hope. For the times of yearning, seek holiness. For the times of temptation or tribulation, just hold on. Um, we're going to talk about how all of those things play in in these chapters. Right. So let's start with that idea of hope. That is such a common uh, theme throughout the entire New Testament. And uh, I, this verse I forgot to put on the paper. So you want to write this on your paper. It's first. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like verse. my best one. <laughs> Somehow I forgot to put it on. You might just um, put it right here by hope. Right at the very top. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Um, and he says, um, but reverence, sanctify, he says, which means reverence. Reverence the Lord in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you. Oh. And it's a, such a beautiful, you know, idea and concept. Like if someone were to ask me, you know, in fact, someone yesterday, I had a great conversation with a, a new friend that I met. And he just, um, he said to me, uh, you seem to hear the music. And do you remember that conference talk that was about, mm, I do. you know, some people know the dance steps yep. and do the dance steps. You know, they go through the routine and some people like hear the music. And he just said to me, you seem to be someone who hears the music. How are you doing that? What is, what is happening, you know, with you? And, uh, how, and how can I start hearing the music? I love that concept and that idea of like, be ready always to give an answer for why do you act the way you do? Why do you feel the way you do? Why do you make the decisions that you do? Why are you so happy, especially during, you know, hard things? Hard things. You'll look at someone and you'll be like, how are you making it through this? You know, what is it that, you know, that's bringing you through? And um, it's so interesting to think to yourself, what is the reason for the hope that is in you right now? If someone were to ask you that and say, what, what is bringing you hope? In your life right now, what would it be? Such an interesting thought when he says, as if someone's just going to walk up to you today and be like, tell me the reason for the hope that is in you. Yeah. Why are you so... When, when honestly, like you look at the world around you and you think to yourself, it doesn't look like, you know, God's winning in a lot of places in the world, you know? And so people, someone might say, like, how can you have so much hope? How can you... How can you be sure? And and Peter um, looks back to the resurrection. 
who he's an eyewitness of. And that's mm-hmm. always his, you know, that's always his go-to where he's just like, the empty tomb says that the way you are interpreting the story of the world is not right, right? That had never been happened before. That had never happened before. What it means is there's a new story. Um, the world doesn't get the last word. God gets the last word. And so that's what he's always looking back to. It'd be interesting to like, you know, um, why do you believe? Where where does that hope come from yeah. in you? So good. And he talks about right at the very beginning um, in chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So exactly what you're talking about. And we love that thought of this lively hope. Or if you look in the footnote, it will tell you it's just a living hope. Like it's alive. It's in you. It's not something that is stagnant or just, it's hope is not just a word that um, is a pretty word. It actually signifies something living in us. And I love this part right here. It's actually part of the conversation I had with the person yesterday. He said, according to his abundant mercy, that there is mm-hmm. something about that when you feel like you've been forgiven, when you feel like you have been blessed in ways that you don't deserve, like when you when you look and recognize how good God is in your life, that I feel like that sparks that kind of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, I know he's going to keep taking care of me because he has in the past. You know, I think that's where it comes from. I love too in four and five, he just says, and this inheritance for you is reserved in heaven for you. Mm -hmm. There are good things to come. And in verse five, you are kept by the power of God. So like there are good things to come that you can look forward to. In the meantime, he is keeping you and watching over you at this, you know, it's just like. Yeah, it's so awesome. I was at an event last night where Barbara Morgan Gardner was talking about studying that phrase, the power of God, anywhere you could find it in scripture, that it would teach you um, about the power of the priesthood um, and, and what we could learn about it. And she said, you just start looking for that phrase, the power of God. And I love that we learn right here one of the things the power of God can do is keep us, keep that we're you. kept. Right. Oh, it makes you feel so safe when you read that. Right. Um, he, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the, the next one, but oh, yeah, starting in verse 6. Go. Yeah, we love that phrase in verse 6 where he says, um, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Oh, well, it's just such this amazing phrase, just that you are in heaviness. Because have you ever been in that place or known someone who is in that place? And I love that he tells us it's just for a season. Like some seasons are for rejoicing and some seasons we're going to experience heaviness. And I was having a conversation with one of my kids the other day and um, we were just talking about it's been a, a heavy season for them. And he said to me, why do you think God has blessed me with this? And it was so funny because his wife was like, why are you calling it a blessing? Um, because it has been so hard. Yeah. And it was so interesting just to have that conversation of, um, he said, because I think God is trying to grow me. That's what's happening. And which I thought was such a great perspective for a season of heaviness. But it's, well, it's what he says. Yeah, right? in seven. That's right. where he goes. That through the trial of your faith, that though that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, but who says that really, right? Yeah. Like that takes a, a, a that takes time and perspective to be able to look at something and say, I mean, it's super wise of him mm-hmm. to say in the middle of the season, because usually in the middle of the season, you're not saying, yes, why have, why I, have I been why blessed, been blessed with, this? with this? So you know, it's, it's interesting because like, he's in the middle. He ha- he's, the end hasn't come. The answer hasn't come. The promise hasn't come. And he's um, still able to see that, which is yeah, so which interesting. Is so but good. this is why, because finish the verse. Yeah, because, because the trial so of your good. faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we were just talking about this verse because it's so interesting to think about what it's teaching here, that your that trial will become more precious to you than actually gold tried in a fire, which is the finest gold that you can buy. Um, but the, the trial will become that precious. And the reason why is it, you'll find that praise, that honor, and that glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we read that as um, at the second coming, um, which is probably what he's talking about there. 
But you also love the thought that it is in our times of trial that Jesus Christ shows up in ways that we can't miss, that we feel um, his presence there to sustain us and comfort us and walk us through um, what we're going through at that time. In fact, it reminds me, and I just thought of this, I'm going to try and find it while you're talking about the next one, but there is, Harold B. Lee gave a quote to um, the families of boys who were ser serving in the army a long time ago, and it is the most beautiful quote, but it talks about in the very hour of your tribulation, he will be with you. And just the promise yeah. of that, how much hope that brings us. So as you're moving to the next one, well, I'm, I was, I'm I mean, going to find that. Maybe along the same lines is verse 8 where he says, talking about Jesus, and he says, Whom having not seen, but you still love him, mm -hmm. and though you see him not, you still believe. Um, that you have to kind of hang on to that promise. You know, this Harold B. Lee or what yeah. Peter's saying is that, you know, even though you might not see um, him right there, uh, it maybe takes some time or for some people they, they recognize it right away but mm -hmm. remind me of the story in the Old Testament of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are put into the fire you know and um, the king looks into the fire or the servant and he says it looks like there is a fourth person yes. in the fire with them and it looks like the son of man and I didn't even think about it until right now that it really is people outside the fire looking in that see that Jesus is in there. And we never hear whether Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt like he was there or not. And that might be the case sometimes for a while. That We have to kind of wait through that season mm -hmm. before we finally realize. Or someone else may have to point it out to us and say, he yes. is right He's there, right there. With you. Yeah. Which, you know, which probably he might be doing to, yeah. the, to the families. And this is, let me read this quote. It is so good. He's, he's talking about, um, this says, In modern times, the First Presidency has given the following counsel to church members actually in military service. Um, and so if you know anyone who's serving, oh, this is such a beautiful letter that he talks about. I'm just going to read you. Um, he starts out, To our young men who go into service, no matter whom they serve or where. And obviously, to young men and and women who go into the service. And then there's this one little part that says, the Lord will be always near you. He will comfort you. You will feel his presence in the hour of your greatest tribulation. He will guard and protect you to the full extent that accords with his all wise purpose. And then when the conflict is over and you return to your homes, having lived the righteous life, how great will be your happiness. And I just love that. I love that thought when he says, the Lord will be with you, will be always near you. You will feel his very presence in the hour of your tribulation. What a beautiful promise to know. Yeah, and it's just making me think, um, do you remember that, that one time we've told the story on here of, and, and I won't tell the full story of my friend Isaac and when mm -hmm. he goes to the yes. temple and his prayer was, I just need you to be present. And sometimes I think we're looking for, like, we equate God's presence with God's solutions instead of just His presence. Oh, and it, so and it might be really helpful in those kind of times to, like, to, to like hold on and, you know, kind of do, do a little thought work here and say, I don't need, a, I'd like a solution. I don't need a solution. What I am trying to sense is his presence and to not like equate those with each other, mm -hmm. not to say like, Oh, his presence equals solution. Sometimes his presence can just be his presence, yeah. you know, without a solution. Um, we love at the end of this section on hope. There is a verse in chapter first Peter chapter five, verse 10. And it says this, but the God of all grace. Which is the best title oh, for him. Such a I just good decided. Title. Yeah, I because just you decided. think about grace. I mean, let's for a minute talk about what grace is, what it looks like. Um, I love that grace is a power that heals, but also elevates souls. Um, both of those things. It heals wounds and it elevates souls. It's um, in Strong's Concordance. If you look up the word grace, it's charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And it's the divine touch on the heart and it's reflection in the life. So it's Jesus Christ working in you to help you become just who you need to be, the friend you need to be, the parent you need to be, the spouse you need to be. Or, the, or the survivor you. that you need yes. to be. And it's neat to connect grace to that first word that he says, a living hope. Yes. You know, that, they, they seem to be companioned, you know, phrases there. Yeah. It's, you just think about this God of all grace 
who's going to give you strength. He's going to give you healing. He's going to give you deliverance. He's going to give you rescue. He's going to make up the difference wherever you are. Grace is what is going to enable you to become who he knows you can become. And so he's saying this. I'm talking about that God. That's who I'm talking about right now. Who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. And then this is such a beautiful line. After that ye have suffered a while, he will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And I love all four of those words. Remember, perfect would mean complete. He's going to complete you. He's going to make you whole. Um, He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. And I particularly love that last one so much. He's just going to settle you. That whatever angst you have, whatever worry, whatever concern, what's keeping you up at night, through His grace, He's going to settle you in what you're going through right now and help you get through it. It's just such a beautiful promise from Peter. And how can that not be anything but His presence? You know, think of all those four words. Like, when He's with you, you're whole. When he's with you, you're established. When he's with you, you're strong. And when he's with you, you are settled. Mm -hmm. It's so good. All four of those words are so good. So you're going to love reading through these verses we have here. Just take some time to process through what you learn from each of those places. But besides talking about hope, which he does a beautiful job of. And and before you move on, and particularly like to come back to that. Where do I get that hope? Mm -hmm. What is the truth? What are the experiences that I can receive that hope from? And that that's a great practice, Mm -hmm. you know, is to think about, okay, what do, what have I experienced and what do I believe? And also, um, to, to pray and look for his presence. I think those Mm -hmm. practices will be so applicable in finding that hope. Okay. Sorry. I like that so much. Um, not only talking about hope through here, but I love, and as we talk about grace, and that healing of wounds. Peter is also going to talk about holiness. And again, we are going to lean into that thought about grace and elevating souls. So you've got two different things going on. That your trials, your tribulation, in those moments you can have hope in the grace of our Lord, which is going to heal wounds and strengthen you and establish you and settle you. But you can also, in those times, those growing periods, you can also trust that that same grace is going to elevate your soul. It's going to help you become someone better through this process. And we kind of want to talk about what that might look like. Yeah. The one verse we love that's in 1 Peter, and then I think we're going to jump into... Oh, no, we're going to... If you go to 1 Peter 1, verse 16, there is this this invitation from him where he just says, um, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And um, we left it a blank, you know, um, on here so we can think about a little bit like what other attributes or characteristics of God could we put in there? Be ye kind, for I am kind. You know, be ye just, for I am just, or all of those different things. We love this definition of um, what holiness might look like. There's a couple that are in here. Mm-hmm. The first is in First Peter 2, 5. Yep, and as we talk about this one, will you just glance back at what we just talked about in 1 Peter 1, 3, where he talked about um, we've been begotten again unto a lively hope or a living hope. And then he's going to talk about in in chapter 2, verse 5, he's going to follow right up on that by telling us, ye also as lively stones. So we've had a lively hope. Now we're going to move into being lively stones, which I love because you see those two parallels there. One There's going to be a living hope through your trials and your tribulation. But that hope is going to help you become a living stone. In the Old Testament, stones were used all the time. We see them. You might be familiar with um, the Ebenezer that um, we read about in Samuel. And Joshua brought his stones over. And stones were often used as a memorial, as a place of remembrance, as a testimony of something that had happened in the lives of those people. And what he's saying to them is, rather than looking back at all of these testaments people have left, you actually become a living stone. You become a lively stone of the hand of the Lord working in your life. And if you can do that, he tells you, you will build up a spiritual house and there will be the unholy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And he's talking about Obviously, the temple there, you see that temple connection as you're talking about that. 
But it's also going, he's talking about us also. Remember when we were reminded all the time, you are a temple. And what's going to happen is not only are you going to build up this, this place with stones, this um, place where you will go and worship, but you're actually going to become a living stone, a living representation of that holy place. That's who you are going to become acceptable to God. Yeah, or maybe even a living representation, like you were saying, of that holy person. Like to be a walking, talking symbol of mm -hmm. God's goodness and love in the world is such a powerful thought. Yeah. A couple verses down, he says in verse 9, because you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or set apart people. Um, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Like these, like this is the role that you play is to be that symbol of hope in the world and with people around you, right? Mm -hmm. All those things. He's, he's referring back to Exodus 19 right there. It was like where God first called Israel. Like, look, this is what I need you to be. I need you to lift the spirituality of the whole planet. I need you to be hope. I need you to be faith. I need Don't you to be love. Don't be overwhelmed love. by that, everybody. You know? Do not be overwhelmed <laughs> by lifting the entire planet. But if we all lift where we are. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so good. And and he talks about that in 12, this exact thing that you're talking about, that everyone who is around you may, by your good works, which they will behold, glorify God. Um, that that they will see God in you. That's what he's talking about right there because of, of your good works or in other words, just the way you live out your life. Or even, day. yeah, and even the part where he's just like, I've called you out of darkness. Like your, the way you lift spirituality, uh, I mean, the way you lift other people might be insane, telling your story. Mm -hmm. Like he rescued me. To be mm -hmm. a rescued person, you know, gives hope to other people. To and say, light, you know, yeah, this is where I used to be. This is who and, I am. Yeah. You know? It's it's, so, and I think that's true as we share what we're learning um, through what he does for us with his grace. I can't remember if I talked about this or not, but our bishop, when we go to Tithing Settlement, have I told you this yet? Gives us an invitation for the new year. Um, good. If you haven't heard it, then that means no one else has heard it yet either. And I love that part of Tithing Settlement. And this year, our bishop, as we were sitting in there, and we just talked and talked about everything that was going on. And then he was like, I'd like to give you an invitation. And your invitation, it was just Greg and I, because remember, all of our kids are moved out and gone. He said, I want you to talk about the times when you have struggled, when you have had to repent, when you have had to make a change in your life, right now, like ongoing with your kids, and tell them how they will see Jesus in your actions and I thought that's so interesting because usually I talk about this is where I saw Jesus when I read my scriptures this is where I I felt the hand of the Lord because I prayed this is an answer that has come this is a miracle this is a tender mercy but how often do we go to that vulnerable place where we're like I actually didn't do very good this week and this is where I saw that that grace and I, I used repentance and I turned again back to the Lord and this is what the process looked like for me and this is how I grew from it. Are we having those experiences with our kids? And it made me think to myself, it is such wise counsel because maybe our kids don't know how to do it because they don't see us modeling it in right. our own life and how almost powerful like, would that be? Yeah, and almost like that we're ashamed of it or something to say, you know, to, to be someone who's feels like I've been forgiven, I've mm -hmm. been rescued, I'm, I make mistakes, and I, you know, I, I, would, I had a conversation with, you know, our oldest just this week, and I was kind of, we're, you know, he's just turned 15, and I was just kind of telling him where I'm afraid, and I, and I realized, like, I've never said that, mm -hmm. you know, out loud, and I don't yeah. usually say it to a lot of people, you know, um, but I thought, I think it's really important to tell him, like, let me tell you what I'm afraid of, you know, in my life. And let me tell you where I feel like I need God's help, you know, mm -hmm. in my life. And and uh, where I'm growing and yeah, how he's yeah. growing me. And which makes me think of the scripture that we love in Second Peter, Second Peter 3.18. because Peter. <laughs> I was a different nation for a second. Um, when he says, but grow in grace. And I just, I love the thought of that, that mm -hmm. it is a process of progression and increase and it, it's something we're working on every single day and do our kids and do our close family members realize 
we're, we really are working on it. Like we are a work in progress and he's taking his time with us the same as he's taking his time with them. Right. There, and, and, and I love that that whole concept is of one of like, hey, just fix me. You know, mm -hmm. you know that spiritual I love so much that the name of that African spiritual is fix me, Jesus. Yeah. You know, just please. And, and I love the promise in Second Peter chapter 1. You can go and read this whole chunk of scriptures, 1 through 13, where there is a promise here starting in 1 that uh, you can have precious faith. Mm. through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Lean on them. Grace and peace can be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. And then this one, in three, he says, um, uh, you can be, just look, according to his divine power, his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Verse four, you can be partakers of the promises and of the divine nature. And then he goes through and he starts listing what that might look like. But do you see how much this is a, like we talked and about we last week. And we love this week. part. We should show, let's show this part because we accidentally wrote on here. Um, where's the part that you forgot to put the, oh, it's right here. Partakers of the divine nature, Second Peter 1, 1 through 13, not just 1 through 3, or you're going to miss some of the best parts. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking for this, here's your hint because it's the, you know, these verses where it talks about, you're just starting on this process and it really is this growing process. It's this progression and increase that you're going to very first thing, just give diligence. And then you're going to add to your faith virtue and then to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. And you just love that there is this upward progression that he's leading you through um, if you're someone who loves word studies, this would be such a fun place to just go word by word and try and think, what are those definitions, just even in a dictionary, but also the Hebrew and the Greek? Where do you see those words in other places in scriptures? And what do you learn about that progression towards holiness? What does that look like? Yeah, and two things I think are really important about that process. One is please notice in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 3, in verse 4, that three people are mentioned. You the Father and the Son. So good. It's not just your journey. It's a journey that the th that we all take together and the Holy Spirit is implied in there, obviously. And then the second thing, which is this. It's so neat. Uh, where is it? I, I lost it and it's gone forever. Oh no, verse 10. And it says this, Brethren, just give diligence to this. If you do these things, you will never fail. There's no other requirement other than just, you know, just be committed to it. Mm -hmm. Just be um, deliberate about it would be another great word you know for yeah. that i listen remember how i told you i was just starting to learn to listen to podcasts and i listened to one by my friend jenny allen this week and she was talking about just feeling overwhelmed sometimes as someone who is a christian and who is um, trying to do all these things that we find in the bible and she said one thing that we have to remember is in hebrews where it tells us run the race that has been set before you and and it really does say to run it and then she said the most interesting thing. She said, do we sometimes forget that in order to actually run a race, it will require training? Hmm. And I was like, oh, that is so good because that's what he's doing. He's saying, here, let me help you train because I have something in mind for you. There is something ahead of you. There is an accomplishment. I mean, you know how you felt after you ran that marathon. Um, but what if you showed up without training? before you got there, what would have happened? I kind of did, and I had ligamentitis in my feet. I'm just kidding, but like, I, but yeah, it was right, because I remember um, the first time I ran like five miles, like I felt super accomplished, but five miles, But and if I had thought about like, wait, there's no way I'm gonna be able to do 26.2, you know, instead I was like, I, I was enjoying like where I was at, you yeah. know, I was like, yeah. this is great. And I kind know? of think when we see these lists in scripture, they're not meant to overwhelm us. That's not why they're in here. They're meant to train us. And it made me think a lot about, President Hinckley has given, particularly to the women of the church, a lot of assignments recently. It's President Nelson, but if um, President Hinckley oh, had, it would President have been Nelson. so cool. Why do I always feel like they are like <laughs> companions? They theories? are, but I just kind of um, feel like President Hinckley job. gave it. It's President Nelson. And um, you remember when he started clear back ago and talked about, I need women with a bedrock understanding of the doctrine. And then all of you remember when he told us to read the whole Book of Mormon by December. And then the next thing you knew, he was like, and also I'm going to cancel the third hour of church because I'd like you to teach your families. 
the third hour of church every week. So we all just got called as Sunday school teachers unexpectedly hmm. in one Sunday, which requires a lot of preparation, everybody. And then if we weren't doing enough, and I'm not discounting the men because you're good at helping with Come Follow Me too, but you just, as a woman, you feel this call to like step up right now. And then as if we weren't doing enough at conferences last time, he was like, also, you need to understand the power of the priesthood that you um, have and, and are a part of, and you need to get that understanding. And so also you should read DNC 25 and DNC 84 and DNC 107. And then um, again, at the very end of conference, do you remember when he was like, also, in case you don't have enough on your plate, could you teach your entire family about the Joseph Smith history before the next conference? And on one hand, you could feel so overwhelmed by like, this is a lot in less than a year that we are being asked to do and to dive into and to participate in. And he is like stretching us and, and helping us to become. And um, I'm, I'm trying to stay so involved in all of those. And those of you who know, know we're doing this, come follow me here. And we've got a group of women doing inklings on Thursdays and we've got people everywhere. And um, someone asked me this week, they're like, how are you doing all the things? <laughs> and I was like, you know what happens? is in the morning I wake up and I open my eyes and the first thing the Spirit says to me is run. That I, Seriously, I feel it every morning. It's just like run and I just get up and I go. And it was so nice today to hear Jenny Allen say, because he's training you. That's what is happening. And he's not just training me. He's training every woman in the entire church of how to become that woman with a bedrock understanding of the doctrine that he talked about so many years ago and we're, we're just in the training the same as the people of peter were yeah and men <laughs> just so you know <laughs> but like i a champion yeah. that <laughs> well and maybe it is a, a woman thing to feel overwhelmed by you know things like that but like i don't ever view any of it as just expectations or demands i just view it as anticipations it's like look at all these things that you can become someday and look at all these things that you can learn and i don't think anybody should feel overwhelmed by like i'm, I'm just doing this is the pace i know yes. how to run and i love I'm that you said pace it, you know because yeah. that's so important is we've got to find our pace what if it's 10 minutes a day if it's five minutes a day if it's just a verse right here you've got to find the pace that is comfortable and fits with your life right now and i don't think he's asking for more than that and we talk all the time about the difference between the gospel exhausting you and exhilarating you. Yeah. And if the gospel is exhausting you right now, then you take a couple days to pray and say, where am I doing too much? And where do I need to be spending my time? Because the the gospel should be exhilarating you. And you it just should, gotta find your pace. Yeah, it's a resource. It's a resource. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a compensatory blessing. Like these things are not like to be checked off. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if I'm doing all these things, I'm a good person. I was just with someone last night, a friend, and she was saying, listen, over the last couple of months, we've kind of slacked off on studying the New Testament as a family. And she kind of said like, Ew. and I was <laughs> like, because she was like, because our son on our mission challenged us to read the Book of Mormon together because we'd never done that as a family, you know, finished it. And, and I was like, I think that's awesome. Like, I don't think you should feel sad that you read the Book of Mormon mm -hmm. together as a family, you know, and it's just... Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's letting just, him determine your pace. Remember, he yeah. is the author and the finisher of your race. So you and he are going to figure out that pace for you and for your family, whatever it looks like. And President Nelson's job is to give us resources of how right. to engage and how to connect. And we enter in however the Spirit tells us to enter in, whatever that looks like in our life yeah. right now. But, and, and the key was, remember, diligence. Mm -hmm. He's like, if you just diligently seek it, You'll find your pace and you'll be okay with it. And I really do love this thought that keeps coming to my head that's like, he's giving us anticipations, not expectations. Mm -hmm. Like here are things to look forward to. Yeah. You know, so many that you good can things enjoy. to look forward to. Yeah. And not just in our own life, but um, I want to circle back around because I love this part as we're talking about holiness. Holiness isn't something we just attain to one day. It's actually a place we can live within is this holy place. I love when Brigham Young said, every minute of my life is holiness to the Lord. And what does that look like to live in holiness? We have a cute friend, Chris Belcher. We've told you about her who has been going through a fight with cancer. And um, the past couple weeks have been really, really hard for her. And she's been in a lot of pain. And 
a lot of times I'll call over to her house and she'll be in tears just trying to fight through what she's doing. And this morning I talked to her and she said, can you just talk me through some pain for five minutes? And I was like, yes. And what that means is, can you, can you give me something else to think about for five minutes other than just focusing on the pain that I'm facing? So I said to her, what do you want me to, tell, what do you want me to talk to you about? And she asked me the most interesting question. She said, what is your one holy thing from this week? And I was like, that, that is such an interesting question because I don't even know what my one holy thing is, I told her. I need to like think through what that would even be. And I started processing through where is the place I have felt closest to God this week. I think that would be my one holy thing, is the place that I have felt closest to God in my past week. And as I thought through what that might be, I thought of one experience and what I had learned from that experience was the pure love um, undefiled, just pure love of Christ and what it can do in a situation. That was probably the holiest experience of my week this week. And so I explained that to her. And then I, I said to her, like, what are you doing with that? Because this is the question she's asking everyone in these moments of pain. She just calls. She's got a little list of people she calls. And um, I said to her, what are you doing with this list that you're gathering of everybody's holy thing? Because you're supposed to text it to her after you tell it to her on the phone. And she just has, she's blind, and she just has her phone read it to her um, throughout the day. And she said, I'm focusing on other people's holy moments to get me through my hardest moments. Mm. And I thought, that is so neat. So we left you a little spot right here just to write about what is your one holy thing? Where is the place this past week you have felt the nearest to God, that holy moment? What is it? And what's so powerful about that is hear us, this definition of holiness is closeness to God. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we think like, oh, that person's holy. And you think about their their works and their acts and their righteousness, you know, instead of closeness to God. Because your holiest moment this week could have been on your knees in humility, seeking forgiveness. You know, that mm-hmm. could be a holy mm-hmm. moment to say, like, I was holy at my lowest place or in 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 times of mistake and repentance like so holiness means closeness to god Mm -hmm. when have you been closest to him you know this week and really that goes so good into this third um and we love all ages yeah they're all ages holding on you just noticed that i did that on purpose this morning welcome to no i think i i think i remembered it earlier that i forgot um this whole idea of of holding on Remember, this is to a group of people who are really struggling and have a lot of temptation and a lot of reason that they want to give up and people are persecuting them. And um, there is a lot, you're going to find out scoffers who are saying, your, your, your Jesus is never coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, there's never going to be answers to your prayers. There's never going to be all these things that are being promised. You're never going to get there. You know, He's never going to manifest himself in your life. Like This is what they are dealing with internally probably and externally also people giving that and so he teaches us this story of lot that emily's going to talk about here as part of this like um council and this is how you make it through some of those times of like temptation and mm-hmm. trial and, yeah. and and persecution yeah um this is so good i love when scripture um tells us more of the story later in scripture so this is a story that happens in the old testament but now Peter is going to actually give us more information about this story, which I love. So you remember Lot, um, who went with Abraham, and they looked over two pieces of ground, and Lot said, I'm going to take the one with the greenest grass. And Abraham was like, well, I'll take the rest then. And Lot's property happened to be overlooking Sodom and Gomorrah, and he started up on the hill, but he ends up moving right into Sodom and Gomorrah. And which one should I start with? The gen- the Old Testament one? Is that yeah. the one we should yeah. tell first? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't decide if we should tell Peter's version first, but let's tell you the story. So what happens is um, in Sodom and Gomorrah, a people come and they destroy everything in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they end up taking Lot um, with them and all of his goods and they leave. So kidnapped. Lot gets kidnapped. That is what happens here. And you love him for where I'm in Genesis chapter 14, everyone. Um, verse 13, and you love this one part that says, and there came one that had escaped. 
And you want to watch for numbers in this story because it's so interesting that there, there's going to be the power of one person who escapes. And the first thing he does is come to Abraham and says to Abraham, law has been taken. And what should you do? And it tells us in verse 14, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them. And this is the other thing I love to think about. It's just the power of Abraham saying, I'm going to gather 318 of my best. That's how many people I am taking to go and rescue Lot. And let's just pause for a minute and think about this. How many of you have a Lot? How many of you have someone who you love who has been taken, um, that was in a Sodom and Gomorrah situation and, and has now been taken into that place? And I love that it's not just his brother who goes after him, but it's his brother's entire faith community that goes after Lot. 318 people plus Lot, I mean plus Abraham, go to rescue Lot. And every time I read this story, I just think about our ward families and the power of a ward family circling together and saying, we are going to love this soul. We are going to deliver this soul. We are going to rescue this soul. We are going to care for this soul. We are going to be part of the rescue. And that doesn't mean that we judge or that we tell them what they're doing is wrong or that we whatever, but it does mean we circle the wagons and we just love and we create a place of safety and love for them to be able to return. And he gets, they get Lot and they bring back all of his goods, all his belongings and his Lot and all of his, his family, all of his people that go with him, they all come back because of this. And so you love that Peter is going to refer back to this story and you, and you just want to know the story when you're reading these parts because it makes it so much better because you love in verse six, I'm now in second Peter two, verse six. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And then you love in verse 7 when he says, And delivered just Lot, who had been vexed with filthy conversation of the wicked. And then I love in verse 8 when it says, For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Okay, there are a couple things we love in there. There are a couple phrases. First, I love that he, the Lord's willing to deliver just one person. He is willing and ready to do that. Even if it takes 319 other people to deliver that person, he will do that. The second thing I well, love... And this is the... You have to remember, like, the Genesis 14 is the first time Lot gets kidnapped. This is the second time he gets into trouble. <laughs> and so at that point, you're kind of like, sorry, buddy. Like, we already did the whole rescue thing with you. Like, we already carried you through this. And I really love that it's like, I, well, I, oh, oh, well, it's the second time around. It's the third time around. It's the ninth time around. Like, we're not giving up. Because every time I read that story of the 319, I, oh, 318 plus, oh, plus Abraham, 319, I always just think, like, you spare no expense when when you are in the work of rescue mm -hmm. that's like so you just, true like everything's worth it mm -hmm. like what's not worth giving yeah. in those moments you know and i love when he tells us in verse eight he wasn't going to give up on lot you love that he looked at him and he was like this guy has a good heart uh, even though he's living in the midst of all of these things that are vexing his soul that he's living in all of this going on when the lord looks down he's like he has a good heart yeah right i'm gonna go after lot because, because it's so easy to look at him and say like, well, you shouldn't yeah. have moved into Sodom and Gomorrah and you shouldn't have been neighbors with them and you shouldn't have done this. But instead, he's just like, you know, he's just caught in that web of humanity mm -hmm. that we all can so easily get caught in. Yeah. And, and, just, and let's get him. Yeah. You know, let's let's just bring him back if we can. And um, then in verse nine brings you so much hope. It's just this one line that says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And and I think when he talks about the godly, he means everyone that is his. And so there's no one that is beyond his reach. And as you think about your person, the person who comes to mind for you um, in this situation, I just love that the Lord knows how to deliver them. He knows how to. And our job is just to listen so carefully for 
what does the rescue look like? And maybe the rescue happens in three days, but most likely it happens in three years or 30 years or may not happen till the other side of the veil, but we, we keep loving and we keep providing that safe place and we keep remembering um, that person. That's our job. Yeah, and in that last chapter, Second Peter, um, verse, I mean, chapter three, he, he talks about, so look, everybody, I know there's everybody saying that um, they're still full of problems. Jesus hasn't returned. All the promises haven't been fulfilled yet. And it might give you a temptation to give up. Mm-hmm. You might want to give up on life. You might want to give up on people. You might want to give up on yourself because you're not right because you're not quite there yet where you thought you should be or where you thought they should be or what you thought God should be doing and he reminds us in this chapter remember God sees time so differently a thousand years to one day that's where we get that right here in Mm -hmm. this chapter and then this promise which is so awesome so good tell him where you are oh second Peter 3 verse 9 and he says this the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. He says, the reason that it's taking so long is not because the Lord's slacking on his promise. It's because the Lord is showing his patience. That is why it's taking so long. And that's what he is. He is not slack. He is not holding back. He's not like forgotten his promises. He says, you keep watching. You keep being diligent. You keep working through. And then this great line, verse 10. Mm-hmm. We love this line so much. You just have to stop it. We keep, don't, don't read all the way through. It says, but the Lord will come. That oh, is Peter's promise. We love it. He's going to come. He is. And, and that means in two ways. That means one day he really is coming back to the world. And all the things that are wrong are going to be right, made right. And all the promises that we've been waiting on are going to be fulfilled. Like that day is actually going to come. But I think it's also a promise that we were looking at earlier that he will manifest himself in your story. Mm-hmm. He will come. Like that is that promise is sure. And, and Peter says this. Peter says, um, where is that awesome verse? Um, I think. What, um, is it? what is it going to be about? Oh, yeah. Where, where he says, um, no, it's um, 2 Peter 1, um, 16. Yep. Peter says this. Um, uh, he says, look, we are not following cunningly devised fables. He says, this is not a fairy tale. He says, I am an eyewitness of his majesty. And Peter's like, look, I've been there. I, I denied him three times in front of a teenager. And, 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 and I thought my chances were up. And I was so rough around the edges. And I watched him die on the cross. And we put his body in a tomb and we sealed it with a rock and then we saw him alive again. He's like, this is not a fairy tale. I'm an eyewitness of it. I promise you things that you thought were impossible can come to pass and they will. He's like, I'm, I'm a witness. The Lord will come. It's so good. That's our best part yeah, of Peter. So good. Mm-hmm. Okay, friends. Adios, muchachos. Yeah, we did it. Okay, see you next see week. See ya. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.